We're turning in our Bibles, please, this morning to the book of Habakkuk. Uh, the book of Habakkuk, please, in the chapter 2. Um, we're going to be reading all of chapter 2. We won't consider all these verses this week. We'll be thinking about chapter 2 this week and next week in the Lord's will. Uh, but we'll deal with a number of verses at the start of Habakkuk 2. We're asking the question, has God gone missing in this series? And today uh, we're thinking about the title, A Watching Faith. A Watching Faith. Habakkuk chapter 2, please. And we're going to read the whole chapter together. And this is the word of the Lord. And it reads... And this is Habakkuk himself speaking at this stage. He says this, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he, that's the Lord, will say unto me and what I shall answer then when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, And say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. How long? And to him that laideth himself with thick clay, shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee, and await that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them, because thou hast spoiled many nations. All the remnant of the people shall spoil thee because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land of the city, and of of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood, and establisheth a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire, and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea, woe unto him that giveth his neighbour drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory, drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered covered. The cup the Lord's right the cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee. 
and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee in the spoil of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood. And for the violence of the land of the city and of all that dwell therein, what profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? The molten image and the teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake to the dumb stone, arise it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple, that all the earth keeps silence before him. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let's pray as we have God's word open on our laps. Hear from the world we turn. Jesus to seek. Hear may his loving voice graciously speak. Father, we come just now. We have listened to the reading of thy precious word. Father, we pray that you would help us now to apply it to our lives and to our hearts. Father, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross of Christ. I pray, Father, that your voice would be heard in this place today. That, Father, you would minister to hearts, that you would challenge hearts, that you would encourage hearts, that you would be pleased to speak, speak, make the book live, and may it live in each one of us. Hear our prayer, O God. We ask this for thy glory, and in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Now, as we've travelled on this journey with the prophet Habakkuk, we have What's the prophet as his faith has wandered and wavered the first week as we considered and opened in the first chapter. We saw a prophet with a wavering faith. He had prayed for such a long time. And he asked the Lord many questions as he tried to figure out in his head what the Lord was doing in the land of Judah at that time. The people had turned away from the Lord. They weren't living as they ought to live. And as the prophet looked around him, he asked the Lord the question, why? Why is this happening and how long am I going to pray about this? And of course then the next thing that happened as the prophet's faith wavered and he called out to the Lord how great it was that he didn't throw the towel in but he kept calling out to the Lord and he had great faith that the Lord would do what the Lord should do. And as he thought about that he was led to a wandering faith as he took a step back And he moved back onto solid ground, how he considered, as we looked at verse 12 of chapter 1, that he was serving the eternal God, the God who is mighty, the God who is personal, the God who is holy, and the God who is faithful. And even though the Chaldeans, these Babylonians, were coming in and the people were going to be taken to exile, and Habakkuk didn't understand God's answer to prayer, he thought about the God that he served. He understood that he was serving the eternal God who is mighty, who knows exactly what he's doing. And Habakkuk, as he didn't give up with God, he didn't throw in the towel. Instead, what he did at the beginning of chapter 2, which we thought about the last time, was he went to his watchtower 
And he went up to higher ground. He came out of the valley and he waited for the Lord. And that's what we're thinking about this morning, his watching faith as he went up to his watchtower to pray. And as we come to the second chapter of the book of this prophecy, it reports for us an experience that Habakkuk had that is very similar to the one recorded by Asaph in Psalm 73. Honestly, when you get home this afternoon, you should read it as you consider God's word to you this morning. Go and read Psalm 73. It's amazing how similar the backgrounds are. Asaph is bewildered. At the providential moving of God's hand, he's looking at the wicked who seem to be prospering around him. And he's asking, why are the righteous suffering? And like Habakkuk has in chapter 1, Asaph, he reasoned with God and he prays and he calls out to God. In fact, Asaph in verse 16 of Psalm 73 says that he considered all that was going on. And he says this, he says, it's too painful for me. I can't take this anymore. It's too painful for me. But there's a lovely pivotal verse in verse 17 of the psalm. And he says this. Yes, it's too much for me. But then it says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. Do you see it? There in the sanctuary of God. Asaph found God's answer to his distress. The distress hadn't ended, by the way. But Asaph found the answer and it turned his sighing into singing. We left Habakkuk in his watchtower last time and he was praying and he was waiting and he was watching. He was on his knees. Dear brother, dear sister, you find often on your knees or you find often in the watchtower And Habakkuk went to the sanctuary of God and he waited for God's answer. I want you to note in passing that the watchtower was quite a significant place in the Old Testament scripture. It was a place of extreme responsibility, you know. And we're going to learn that Habakkuk is given some extremely important responsibilities for the Lord when he went to the watchtower. And these responsibilities are the same for us today in many different ways. What about this watchman? What about this watchtower? What's so significant about his job? Well, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 2 here, Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what the Lord will say unto me and what I will answer when I'm reproved. You know, if you look at the end of the book of Ezekiel, you'll find a watchman. In cha- if you look in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 3, and in, in chapter three, and also in chapter 33, you'll see there that if a watchman didn't warn about enemies coming and the people were slaughtered, the blood would be in the watchman's hands. The watchman was to look out there at the tower, at the city, and if enemies were approaching, he had to raise the alarm. And if he fell asleep or if he missed his chance and the people in the city died, the blood came upon the watchman's hands. The watchman was to be responsible. He was to be vigilant. He was to spot imminent danger. A watchman, he needed to have nerves of steel because when he saw the enemy coming, he had to stay at his post and he had to decry that they were coming. The watchman, he had to be trusted He had to stay alert, to stay awake. Otherwise, it could mean death for the whole town or the whole city. And he had to be faithful to his commission. 
And the watchman, he ought to miss nothing. Why did Habakkuk go to such a place? Why did he stand? He had questioned God. And we see in verse 1 that he's saying, I've questioned God, and I've asked God, and I've argued with him, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to go up to the watchtower, and I'm going to wait, and whether God reproves me, or whether God answers me, I'll wait for God's answer. So Habakkuk, he takes his place of responsibility as a man of God and he feels the burden and the responsibility of the nation upon his shoulders. Judah have sinned and he had prayed and God's answer was not what he expected. And now as we said in previous weeks, he chooses to be still and wait on God. He chooses to be still and know his God. Now the Lord gives him three responsibilities and we're going to think about them today. And verse 2, we hear the Lord say to him, write the vision. Write the vision. Write God's word. God says, Habakkuk, here's your answer. Have you got your pen and paper? Are you ready to take are you ready to take down what God is going to say to you? Are you ready for the answer to your prayers for everything that you've been longing for? God's message at last was coming to Habakkuk. And Habakkuk was ready for God's message. Incidentally, can I ask, are we ready for God's message? Are you ready for God's message? Are you just here again going through the motions? So easy to do that, isn't it? Are you listening? Are you here expecting God to speak? Or are you just here out of routine? Did you take some time this morning before you came to God's house? Did you ask God to meet with you here? I mean, if you were sitting here and God were to call you to do something for him, would you be ready and willing to listen and go and do it? You may be sitting here And in your heart of hearts, you know God's maybe been calling you to do something for a very long time, some part of his work, maybe a new ministry, maybe something that makes you feel uneasy. But when God calls you, you ought to do it. So I will go wherever he is calling me. I lose my life to find my life in him. I give my all to gain the hope that never dies. I bow my heart. Take up my cross and follow him. Is that your testimony? Of course, Habakkuk, he has been praying about the sin of his nation. He's concerned about this coming judgment. When I think about our nation, there's a lot to be concerned about, isn't there? There's abortion laws, there's the change in marriage laws. Even bringing it closer to home, how liberal so many Christians have become. And the clear turning away from the place of worship. And of course Habakkuk has, was concerned about the coming judgment and he was aware of the coming judgment and what was, going to God, what was God going to call Habakkuk to do? Habakkuk's told right the vision. What does our country here in Northern Ireland need today? What does the UK and Ireland need today? Well, was Habakkuk's message that was given to him, it wasn't a military message? No. It wasn't a social message. It wasn't a political message. It wasn't philosophical or an educational message. It was a spiritual message. It was a message that the men around him needed to hear. 
And let me say something today. Men don't need an educational message today, and they don't need politics, and they don't need psychology. Now, those things hold some importance, and don't get me wrong, but who is it that men, women, boys and girls need the most today? They need Christ. They need to hear from God's word. And if only God's word would be proclaimed the way it should by his church, maybe our land would turn back. Maybe the Lord would be pleased to use his people if only we would open our mouths and if we would hurl the message the way we ought to. In verse 2, it says, And the Lord answered me and says, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. In other words, write it down. And that he may run that readeth it. God is saying, write this message down. Write it down plain and easy so that people can understand. And so when they read this message, they'll run. And they'll tell others about it because it's good news. You see, God was going to tell Habakkuk exactly what was going to happen. And the people would read the vision that Habakkuk wrote down. And then they would go and tell others of this message of joy. Because the message would bring hope to the Israelite. And it was a simple message. And it was a plain message of hope. And yet, those who would read it would understand it. And then they would have the responsibility of sharing it with others. Sound familiar? We have a plain and simple message. Set before us in these pages, it's called the gospel. And for each of us who have read and understood the gospel message for ourselves, we have a responsibility to share it. The Apostle Paul understood his responsibility. He says in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16, Woe, damnation, destruction is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And I hear you say, Peter, we know this. We know that we need to be sharing the gospel. We know we need to be sharing with those people who we encounter in these days. Well, are you? I mean, are we bold to share the message with the people that we meet? You know, I'm delighted that our gospel meeting is reaching many lost people in these days in Facebook Live. I really am. And I'm also so glad to see this place on Sunday evening so well filled. I praise God for that. I do. But in the same breath, let me ask you, are you seeking to bring people with you to the gospel meeting? We often get stuck praying that the Lord will bring people in, and please don't stop praying that. It's a good prayer to pray. But go and get them in. Put feet to your prayers. The instruction that scripture gives us is to go. I wonder, do you share the gospel in work? I wonder, do you share the gospel with your neighbour? I wonder, do you seek to get them in here on a Sunday evening, those who you interact with often? I know it's hard. There's a call comes ringing, or the restless you send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. The blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. I wonder, are you willing to be a channel that the Holy Spirit would use to lead some soul to Christ? Because if we are willing, imagine what the church would look like. Habakkuk had been concerned about this coming judgment. God says, write it down and get the people to hurl it. Go and tell people. Look at verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. 
But the, at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. This vision, it was for an appointed time. The revelation of God here was for an appointed time. And on this occasion, it was being applied to the Babylonians. But these words are found again in the book of Hebrews. And the writer of the Hebrews changes the word it to the verse he and at the end of verse, and at the end of Hebrews, when it speaks about he, it speaks about he will not tarry. Brothers and sisters, what does the book of Habakkuk encourage us to do today? It encourages us to remember that the Lord Jesus is coming. Peter in Second Peter 3 verse 3 reminds us that there will be scoffers in these days which will say, where is the promise of his coming? And we can confidently reply, verse 3 in our passage, it's yet for an appointed time, wait for it, because it will surely come, it, he will not tarry. Praise the Lord. A discouraged Jew in Babylon may have asked, will the Lord come and deliver us? And the answer was, yes, wait for him. Dear Christian, you might be asking the question in the daily grind, will the Lord come and deliver me? The answer comes back clear from God's word, yes, wait for him. So listen, here we are and the first thing is Habakkuk goes up to his tower to pray and as he waits in the Lord to speak, the Lord says, I have a message for you, I want you to write it down and I want you to go and tell the people. And God's vision is revealed to him and he says, Don't worry, there's a time coming and I'll move. You know, throughout scripture, God always moved on time. Always. God always moves in his time. And praise God, his time is perfect. And dear Christian, today I don't know what burden, what concern, what worry you've carried into this place. But let me encourage you and say, God will move on time. You keep relying on him. Write God's vision. We're to herald God's word. But also the second message was that he had to trust God's word. Not just that he had to write God's vision, but he had to trust God's word. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says this. Behold, look, pay attention. His soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live By his faith. Now listen to me. We've just hit the heart. The main teaching of the book of Habakkuk. And if this isn't already underlined in your Bible. See that wee line. The the end of verse 4. The just shall live by his faith. Get it underlined. The just shall live by his faith. This is the turning point. We're, We're about to climb to higher ground. God says, see the Babylonians, they're puffed up in their own souls, but trust me, have faith in me, I know what I'm doing. That word lifted up there in the verse, it's talking about the Babylonians. Some modern translations say his soul is puffed up, that they were proud of themselves. And yes, in the context, it applies to the Babylonians, but it can refer to anyone who's proud. In this verse, it draws a contrast. The proud person relies on himself, whereas the righteous person humbly relies on God. Now you see what's being taught here. It's this. It will take faith to wait patiently on God's plan to unfold. But the righteous belief that God will accomplish it. 
And the phrase here is the just shall live by faith. It appears in the New Testament on a number of occasions. And it's to emphasize the people who are saved by grace through faith that Christians should live by faith. If you're saved by grace through faith, that you should then live by faith. And the kind of faith that Habakkuk describes is the type of faith that New Testament writers promote in continuing to trust God and clinging to his promises even in the darkest times. And there's two types of people revealed in the verse, the proud and the humble. You know, when I think about the believing, in, in New Testament there, there was a part of the New Testament that was written to the believing Jew. And the focus in Hebrews was the by faith part, keep going. You know, when you read the just shall live by faith, it's so important and it's the secret to a successful Christian life. It doesn't say, it doesn't say in the Bible the just shall live by feelings, how I feel today, no. It doesn't say the just shall even live by fasting, no. It doesn't say the just shall live by fear, faith is the key. And a continuing faith. In the book of Galatians, the emphasis is on shall live. In the book of Hebrews, it's by faith. In the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians who had been justified by faith through Christ, they considered turning back to the Jewish religion because of their persecution. And so the writer encourages them to persevere until the Lord comes and the promise is given that the Lord is coming and it won't be long and you keep relying on him. And the Lord says, hey, Habakkuk, in your trial, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians are knocking on the back door. Remember, the just shall live by faith. What about you as you face persecution and severe trials? Whatever lies ahead of us as the Christian church, the just shall live by faith. God says, trust my word. I know what I'm doing. When the doctor's report isn't good, the just shall live by faith. When the love of your life is gone. The just shall live by faith. When the money's gone and the food runs out, the just shall live by faith. When political battles happen all around us and the economy is crashing, the just shall live by faith. Trust God's word. We have to write God's word down. We have to trust God's word. But then finally, finally we have to declare God's judgment. Declared to God's judgment. Listen, there was a coming judgment coming in these verses. It was on its way. And what you'll find is in the rest of this part that God gives five woes, five destructions that were on their way to the Babylonians. And and Habakkuk was to write it down and he was to tell the people that this was coming. Dear friends, we have a responsibility to tell those around us that there's a coming destruction on the way to them. And that's why I'm not afraid to speak about hell. And that's why I'm not afraid to warn people of a lost eternity. And that's why I'll never preach a diluted, palatable gospel that you can't mention hell and can't mention the blood. I'll always preach the full gospel. Because people need to be warned. And the blood still cleanses from all sin. And people can still be saved. Earth may have its kingdoms. Hell may wage its wars. But they can never hinder the power of the Lord. The word still has the answers. The blood alone still saves. God is still our refuge and the gospel still remains. Souls can still be rescued. For mercy still redeems. Rejoice the tomb still empty. 
and Christ is still the king. Now, as we look at God's answer to Habakkuk here, as God reveals his divine plan, you can almost hear the Lord say, I understand your perplexity, Habakkuk. Here's my answer. These Chaldeans, the ones who are coming up against you, they themselves are going to be completely destroyed. And so we see in the rest of the chapter, as I've mentioned, these five woes. And it's that word woe, it simply means calamity and destruction. And destruction was headed for these people who were completely against God's plans and God's ways. That's what was headed for the Babylonians. And the Lord's will will consider these five woes next Lord's Day. But as for today, how we've learned that we must write God's word and herald it, proclaim the gospel. In difficult times, we must trust God's word. And finally, we have to declare God's judgment to a lost world. You know, there's a story told. You may have heard this story before, but I think it's so poignant. There's a story told of a little girl who was going to the beach with her parents. And when they arrived at the beach, there were hundreds of starfish that were stranded all over it, unable to get to the water. And the little girl was so concerned, she began to lift one or two at a time and started to throw them back into the water. And her mum discouraged her and said, you can't save them all. And the little girl replied, well, I can save one. I wonder, will you be willing to be a channel that the Lord would use to point just one or two souls to the Lord Jesus Christ? Souls can still be rescued, for mercy still remains. Rejoice the tomb still empty, and Christ is still the King. We're going to sing together as we close this part of our service. And it speaks of something that we can do for the Lord. Saviour, thy dying love, thou gavest me, nor should I aught withhold, my Lord, from thee. And you know, in this hymn, the third verse, it speaks about just doing something for thee. I wonder, could that something be this afternoon to pick up the phone or drive round to someone's house and tell them, hey, there's a meeting here tonight. Would you not come with me? Or to build a relationship with someone and share the gospel with them through it. You know, it takes effort, so it does. It takes you to take someone out for a coffee, speak to them. You know, just going and knocking someone's door with our missions in October, will you come to it? Not always going to work. You have to build relationships and ask people to come. I wonder, would you be willing to do that? Just something for your Lord, who gave us all for you.